podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to this week's Big Game Preview podcast ahead of Ireland's Round 2 showdown with Italy. Joining me tonight, we are lucky to have another fantastic panel. Our first two guests are no strangers to the show, so welcome back Ulster fan Jack Fogarty and ball handling hooker. Welcome back, lads. Thanks, Gilo. It was good to have you on. And this year, we promise to do what no other Irish podcast has to offer with at least one guest to represent the competing nations in each and every show. So representing the Azuri tonight is no is one lad who is no stranger having recorded with us before the World Cup last year. It's for Teddy to Ruby podcast host who goes by Italian Ruby former on Twitter. Welcome back, Mike Petretta. Great to have you on, mate. Thank you for having me back. It's always good. It's always good to get a, a different perspective on things, especially in games like these, because not everyone loves the URC as much as the three Irish lads on this particular recording. So it's it's good to get that side of things. And before we kick off, I'd like to remind YouTube viewers that you can listen to us on the go wherever you get your podcasts and vice versa for audio listeners. But I just want to start really quickly, Mike, by talking about Italy, because since we last spoke, there's been a lot of change, new head coach, slightly different looking team. And dare I say, Benetton, second best team at the URC so far this season. So it feels like there's been a lot of positivity since the World Cup, at least. Yeah, I think I think the World Cup was a bit of a sort of a sad realisation that if we just keep doing the same thing, we're going to get the same result. And there's been a lot of like decent investment in uh, the, the franchises at the moment. And I think Bortolami, to, to his credit, you know, asked for more and he got more from Signor Benetton. Um, so we're, it, we're cooking, um, at least on that side of the franchise. And Zebra have, have made some moves as well this year with the under 20s. They've, they basically went all, all in on the under 20s and just said, right, okay, let's, let's build from, from the bottom up. So yeah, it looks like it's moving in the right direction from that side. And, you know, uh, hopefully um, we start seeing it sort of concretized to, to results in, in, in the senior squad. So yeah, it's been a, been an interesting few months, mate. Absolutely. And it's great to see the the progress being made again, because it was pretty disappointing. I know I, I spoke to your podcast um, co-host, Otavio, um, post, I think it was either after the French game or New Zealand game, and it was a sense of, a, we could have done something this World Cup. Instead, we scraped past Uruguay and, and got hockey that it wasn't a fair reflection. So to see that progress is great. And as we record, we're a few minutes away from kickoff in Musgrave between the other 20s tie. And the fact that Ireland look at this Italy game has probably been their third toughest game in, in recent years is, is another sign of the progress because they've come on and it, eventually it'll, it'll lead to results. And I do think they could take someone. Hopefully not this weekend because I'd be there. But I do think they could take someone in, in this year's championship. Yeah, I think I think it's interesting, right? Because the under twenties are starting to, like you said, filter through. And we look at like Lamaro and Yakitsi, their their year, and you're starting to see sort of more and more. And actually, you're looking at, you know, the 2021 under twenties with players like Menoncello, Cannone Junior, um, Garbisi. Like, we're, we're pulling in a lot more players now in um, in the senior squad. So it it will take time to filter through. I mean. One thing that I think is quite important to highlight for those guys who who haven't sort of been paying attention to to Italy is the average age is twenty four. They're the youngest and least capped squad in the Six Nations. So, you know, even Steve Borfitt last week was like, "Oh, we got a really young team." They're playing against a younger team last week, so it's 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 one of those where like 
it will come the experience and i think like the world cup burnt a lot it was a really important lesson and <laughs> it, it was a horrible lesson to learn and you know even from an italian fan but if, if we feel bad about it the players are going to feel worse so um yeah I, th- I think it's coming mate i think we're moving in the right direction we need both franchises firing off and we need to work out where we're going wrong with the transition between the under 20s and the elite level in the urc so that's sort of the the missing bit between between us and being sort of very competitive at, at national level i think absolutely and again hopefully we do see it this year but we will we'll start this week as we will for every game but starting with the home side which is ireland and their match day 23 which was named earlier on today it reads as follows number 15 hugo keenan he's in the back three alongside calvin nash and james lowe Stuart Bertuski comes in at inside centre to partner Robbie Henshaw. Jack Crowley is given the nod at 10 again, but this time alongside his monster teammate Craig Casey. The front row sees Andrew Porter and Jan Sheehan packed down alongside Finley Bealham. It's Joe McCarthy and James Ryan this time around in the second row. Ryan Baird and Jack Conan come into the back row either side of captain for the first time, Kayla Doris, who lines out at open side. And on the subs bench, we have Ronan Callagher, Jeremy Luckman, Tom O'Toole, Ian Henderson, Jameson Gibson Park. And returning after almost two and a, after almost three years, I think it's two and a half years out in the wilderness, Harry Byrne and Jordan Larmer of Leinster both back in. Jack, we'll, we'll start with yourself. What catches your eye from this Irish lineup? I think just broadly speaking, the amount of changes that are there. I mean, it's very, very on Andy Farrell. Like, I mean, I'm pretty sure the in most a couple of Six Nations game, I believe, apart from where they went when I'd COVID say... split it in half, I believe. Yeah, even even a couple of a couple of a uh, couple of the autumn uh, games and a couple of the summer tours and things like that. You know, they wouldn't even have. I remember Andrew Porter starting against Japan and stuff. You know, a couple of years ago, I think it was a I think it was a like a one of those COVID games or lack of you know uh, limited capacity at, at at Lansdowne, one of those weird ones. But you know, things like that. So obviously, Porter's the one who's still there actually, but. Uh, <laughs> You know, just to see just to see the number of changes from last week, because it is Six Nations, everyone knows that, you know, you wanna win it. You gotta you gotta put your best team out pretty much pretty much every every week if if you can. I mean, we're probably in a in a, a, a nice position in the sense that we have a settled team, we have a settled way of playing and it's been we've been doing it quite well for the last two plus years probably. Um certainly, you know, certainly in the last sort of 12, 12 months there's been there's been you know um yeah there's just that just that quarter final if we wanted to throw that in uh throw that in there just to get add a, add a bit of trauma to the pod here but um the, the the one thing that really stands out for me is obviously um the the Stuart McCluskey inclusion at 12 just because Bundyaki probably outside Tigburn has been the standout player for Ireland if not very very much so the standout back uh, in terms of eye-catching moments, obviously, um, no disrespect to Hugo Keenan, but he just seems like he's RoboCop and just doesn't make a mistake ever. Um, so that that's the big one for me. I think it's a key position for us, and um, you know, Stu's been there and, and done it. So so that's and obviously uh, very very handy that we have um, some monster inclusion for the first time in uh, in a. In a little in a while, week. <laughs> in a week, that's uh, not gonna happen. <laughs> they thought they broke the curse last week, where they thought, "Oh, the new Ulster players in the twenty three, that must mean we'll play well." And sure enough, they didn't do. But uh, but you know, the 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 performance will will dramatically decline now that they've uh, included the likes of uh, McCluskey, uh, O'Toole, and Henderson. 
So um, we'll just have we'll just have to see how they how they get on, you know. Uh, uh, but you know, funnily enough, Ian Henderson's winning his 80th, 80th cap, so um, that'll be a nice a nice moment for him. But um, yeah, it's it. There's a load of changes, so you know, the big thing for me is will will they get sort of the same uh, same level of uh, of performance with with all those changes? That's kind of where that's where I, that's what I was sort of thinking. Uh, I, was, I was probably thinking that before i mean are we going to get the same level of performance against italy because there's always that lingering in the back of your head thinking okay well it is it is italy i know it's a bit disrespectful but you are thinking that just just based on you know usually how the table lines up but it will be it will be if 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 these guys can still be as accurate with changes and people in different positions and things like that so it's very interesting yeah absolutely and and it is a question mark that has been held over Ireland before that when they rotated the most was when we seen the weakest performances. You take maybe Fiji in the autumn um, two years ago, that Ireland XV or Ireland A game in the RDS that time. Like that's that's when things look the most disjointed. But you do feel like with, you know, Hugo Keenan in there, like Stuart McCluskey is, is basically a veteran. Finley Beelan's been there, done that. Hopefully it won't be the same, but there will be a few growing pains, you'd imagine. And, you know, Mike, like this is Italian side who, who caused Ireland problems in this fixture last year when Ireland rotated a small bit. But still, at the same time, from an Irish perspective, we feel like there's more than enough there to get the job done. We'll get into that later. What's your takeaways from that Ireland 23? Yeah, I think looking at the game um, this past weekend, if if we're not effective in slowing your ball down in any means, it's going to be a long day for us because you guys are so accurate. Um, so last year, I think actually we did we did do it quite well we were sort of just trying to make it a bit of a dogfight and we have to do the same this year because France showed what happens if you don't um so yeah I think last year we probably took a lot out of that game obviously like you said it's there's there's some fresh faces this year and some on some less knowns I should say from um an Italian perspective in terms of like you know people that they Clearly, would play in the URC week in, week out, but having it in the sort of completely different structure and a complete, completely different team sort of makes make makes that sort of a bit more of an unknown. So, yeah, I'm I'm uh, yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be an interesting game for sure from an Italian perspective. There's probably some players that they will be looking to to try and sort of slow down um, quite a lot when they have their their hands on the ball. You know, yeah, absolutely, and. Like the, I, I did the same thing last week, but there's kind of a couple of players you can point to in terms of Ireland making changes and and you know how they're going to go. Like Finney Beanham, a tight head, is probably one that it's it's more of a surprise that he was named rather than nothing else. But then Ty Furlock picked up a knock, so I feel like it's maybe not as surprising then as well. And then you know I've I've listed James Ryan is back in. Can't really say much about him. Caelan Doris goes to seven, but. I do feel like with McCarthy and Ryan as the two kind of the heavy cattle second rows, Doris at seven, he won't have to do the same level of heavy lifting as Josh van der Fleer does and could probably have a game similar to last week. And, you know, Rich McCluskey, Harry Byrne, J- Jordan Larmer on the bench as well. And BHH, I'll, I'll come to you now because there is a couple of standouts that I've listed and there's, there's a couple of more that you could get into if you want. But in terms of key selection decisions and players, which what catches your eye from say some some that I've given or, or some of your own? Um yes, like it's a, it's an unusually exciting uh, team of selection from the point of view of changes. You know, it's um 
I'm very excited in that the path that Ireland are going down is that we're going to have about 26, 27, 28 players that if they're named in the starting 15 in a must-win game, you just wouldn't bat an eyelid. Um, I think, the, you know, there are rumoured niggles for Aki, Omahani and Furlong, but I do think McCluskey, uh, Baird and, and Bielham all are deserving of starts and don't hinder Ireland all that much, you know, and, and probably will have a net positive on, on how we play. Um, so it is very exciting from that point of view. I think it's funny that Jack mentioned the the World Cup warm-ups because the last time we saw Doris at seven was against Italy in the very first World Cup warm-up. And actually going back to that team, that was the last time that uh, Henshaw and McCluskey played together in the centres. And Crowley and Casey were at nine and ten that day, and it was the exact same back row. So from that point of view, you're hoping, you know, will it be as good as that day? Was that day even that good, considering it was the first day of, of first game of that that series? Um, I think you go back to last year in the Six Nations and having Bundy Aki at 13 and Italy caused us so many problems in that 13 channel. So having having an actual outside centre in Robbie Henshaw should should be a big deal. And I think that's that's one of the big focuses for what Ireland should be doing uh, and nailing that down. And like it's only it's only McCluskey and Henshaw's fourth fifth time playing together. So it could be a weakness, but let's hope it isn't. You know. Yeah, I wouldn't be. I was less confident about Bundy at thirteen this time last year. Or I think that was around three fixture, but then I would be as Robbie. Like Robbie had a really good game last week, so I feel like he could do it again. And like at both both sides of the ball, he was really really solid. And Jack, you want to jump in there? Yeah, I think just on just again on on the sort of the number of changes, all of them are very much kind of next next fella up you know none of these you know none of these guys are, are getting kind of thrown in the deep end like we said you know Finley Balaam is second choice Stuart McCluskey is second and a half choice you might throw Robbie Henshaw in at 12 if you were if you were in a tight spot because he has that versatility um you know it's a back row of Baird Doris and Conan you know those guys aren't are, are no are no slouches so um you know it's very much like there are there are a lot of changes, but these guys, none of these guys are making their debut or anything like that. So there shouldn't be this level of, oh well, there might be a few there might be a few errors, there might be a few this and that. You know, it, it's it's a it's very much a, you know, well, next guy up, here you go, which has been which has been the Andy Farrell way. It's not been it's not been his way to to just kind of throw guys in and be like, Well, I'm not gonna give caps away. So in that sense, he's kind of he's kind of sticking by it, even if maybe we we, we would we would have liked to have seen maybe you know total tools so he start and have been on the bench something like that. But still interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And and can I just jump in there? That go on. I think in the second round in particular, we've got four outstanding options. Like yeah. I'm not 100 percent sure what the first choice is. Like we all probably think it's Ty Byrne and Joe McCarthy. But if you said that Ian Henderson and James Ryan were the starters in the South Africa test this summer, like you know, bring it on. That's that's not a concern at all. And you I think that's a wonderful place to be in and it gives us so many options coming off the bench. Like um Yeah. 
and it changes the dynamic of the the back row then because if you can say for this game or or going forward if you want to say go with McCarthy and Henderson as well two strong you know heavy you know power locks but also Henderson has the line out speciality I think he's probably our best line out caller and then because of that you can maybe move Doris to seven or you could play O'Mahony at seven with Baird and and Doris either side and it it just changes things up a small bit it can just you know, either they're less reliant on will we need Van der Fleer there because their second rows are lighter. Well, they're they're probably playing above their weight at the moment. The statistically, you know, that sheet that did the rounds before the tournament. I don't know how anyone said that any one player was was dominating because they were all off the charts. You know, every single one of them, like it was one of those things. So it's it's, it's funny, isn't it, Caelan? Just on that sort of cut one, across, but I think one of the things this is this this back row is probably much heavier than last last weekend because again Josh Van der is not there. Josh Van der is probably just kicking what 100, 100 kgs, but um maybe even less. I don't know. But this this one very much feels like oh there must there must be playing, you know, Ty Ty Byrne and James Ryan maybe in the row, but to have to have Joe McCarthy and James Ryan in there, it's kinda of like that's a big enough second row anyway. You could have a few little yeah. speedy, you know, speedy back rows in there. But then again, you've got Ryan Baird who can probably stick on the wing or even inside centre and he'd probably do a good job for you. So I mean, who says we don't go into twenty twenty seven with Thomas Ahern and Ryan Baird not as our <laughs> flankers but as our twelve and thirteen? Like, I'm not going to say it's not going to happen. It could happen, uh, <laughs> and it might just be my it, dream. Come on, that gives us so many options on the bench. Like, we can go six yeah. two with a, with exactly Baird or Ahern, and like we're laughing, you know. Seven I, one, I, seven one, not done before. <laughs> eight no, we're going eight no. Who cares? <laughs> Um, I do want to just highlight um, Kaelin Doris at seven. Um, Josh van der Fleer has played open side, like has been the uh, number one open side on the depth chart for a long time. And it's not 100% sure who number two is. I think when we saw Nick Timoney get the inclusion in the squad, it, it might have been him. And now Doris is playing at seven. So I was really impressed with him in the in the autumn when he played there. And if he goes well again, like maybe that opens up the competition for between Conan and and Van der Fleer just to get into the starting back row. So uh, that could be something that gives us a lot of options. But at the same time, you want to see some depth building behind uh, at number seven. I think we could see Doris move to seven long term. And that this, I'm not trying to retire Josh Van der Fleer earlier, Anthony, of the sorts, but like. You look at the the players we have coming through, and when you've got okay, Ryan Baird is is probably the sixth that's next in line. Thomas Hearn's a very similar type player. Keen Brendergast is a is a bulkier number eight. He's ready to go, and then you got the likes of like Ryan Leeson, James Colhan coming through in recent years. The mold seems to be very similar at six and eight. Moving Doris to seven, maybe going for a lighter seven like we did before. Van der Fleer bulked up a small bit. Maybe that's the way we're going to go, and we play the edge forward at six. You know the again Baird, Ahern, maybe even Prendergast, um, maybe even someone like Jim and Mangan might fill that mold in a couple of years' time. It just it's options and it's constant options, and I don't care if I don't want to go eight nos on the bench. Jokes aside, like fair enough, they want to go six two going forward. Fair enough, I can see why they would. And we could probably talk about Harry Byrne getting in over here in Frawley in a five three bench. Does that change things? Are they just trying to get minutes into him? Is Foley more of a 6-2 option that they've always been looking at? We don't know, but 
we could we could discuss Kieran Foley and Ireland out halves and, and make it into a provincial debate that could go on for about two hours here, but we won't because there's been enough of those already this season. I will move on to Italy because they deserve their, their fair level of of coverage as well tonight. And apologies in advance if I absolutely butcher each and every one of these names. So we'll start at fullback with the returning Ange Capozzo of Toulouse. Lorenzo Pani and Monte Ioane are on either wing. It's Ignacio Brex and Tommaso Menicello, the old Benetton centre pairing. Paolo Garbisi, partner Stephen Varney at halfback. There's a start at the front row for Danilo Fischetti, Gianmaro Lucchese and Pietro Cecciarelli. Nicola Canone and Federico Russa make up an all Benetton second row pairing and there's an all Benetton back row as well of Alessandro Isacor, Manuel Zuliani and Captain Michele Lamoureux. On the bench, they have Giacomo Nicotera, Mikko Spagnolo, Shisu Zolochi, oh God, um, Andrea Zambano. Yes. Ross Vincent is there ready for his potential debut. Martin Pedrello is the backup. Scrum half, Tommaso Allen drops the bench after last week and Bayon's Federico Mori rounds out the 23. Mike, apologies again for, for those pronunciations, but what should us as Irish fans be looking out for here in this Italian side? So I think last we spoke, I highlighted Menoncello and he got injured in the game. So yeah. uh, I'm going to be very tactical about who I highlight here. Um, joking aside, uh, there are a couple of players which are... Um, they probably haven't shone to the level that they could at international level. Level, And I think Federico Mori is a really good example of that. The guy's a genetic freak, comes from a family of Olympians, his sister's a, um Olympic um, hammer thrower. Like he is, he's, he's, he's genuinely just like this freak. He was benching 180 kilos at the age of 18. He, he's just this monster and he's, he's a center. Um, so if we manage to get the ball to him and get him to do what he's been doing at Bayonne all this year, uh, all this season, uh, he could potentially basic, basically be like an Italian Bundiaki for us, really. Like that's the mold that I, I see him moving into, right? So there's there's an element where he could potentially shine. Um, and then obviously Ross Vincent's had a fantastic, um, I say, debut season at Exeter. He played a couple of the. Uh, Premiership Cup games last year, but he's he, he's a really explosive, very quick Sam Simmons esque back row. Um, so they're sort of two, two, two unknown players to the extent that you know you haven't seen them do anything on the international stage. Obviously, Vincent's about to get capped, but Morty's had two or three um, caps at, at test level, and unfortunately, he hasn't been able to replicate what he can do. Um, I'm hoping he gains the bit of confidence. We spoke to him not long back on the pod as well, and he's he's raring to go. Um, but yeah, there's 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 a couple of interesting picks uh, this 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 uh, for this game uh, as well. So I think a lot of people are, are questioning Varney. Um, not for me. I think you know we're 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 going to try and box kick. Um, we're probably going to try and take some contestables. We're probably going to try and utilize Pani to counteract Lowe's monster monster boot with with his. Um if you if you kick too short, I think Capuazzo's probably going to be the person that's going to try and find space. There's it, it looks like a well balanced team and it shows the pragmatism of Quesada as a coach because he's he sort of looked at the different areas where, you know, we could potentially get some some net positive out of like any exchange that comes about it. So um yeah, I mean obviously Cannone Jr. Uh, Lorenzo 
that's massive loss for us. He's an exceptional player. Um, but Alessandro Izako, for those of you guys who don't watch URC, is an animal. Uh, like he's just, again, I said Federico Mori is a genetic freak. Izako, when we're doing the stats on him, I think he was up to 130 something tackles and he missed three um, for the whole season. He's, he's, he's a monster tackler, uh, very explosive, often finds himself around the corner on the plus one um, on the wing, uh, makes yards very quick, um, hoping to see a lot more of him. Um, obviously, Seb missing is a, is, is a bit of a, uh, a contrast as well because the volume of impact that that man goes through on a game uh, is going to be missed. But um, yeah, a couple of exciting players just for you guys to to peruse. Um, but I'm feeling positive about like where we're going because we're giving everyone minutes in, in this uh, in this team. And it's interesting, you know, Isakori and his, his size is something you mentioned because it was a question mark of mine when I read this team is can you replicate Canona and Negri's just their, you know, their, their sheer power. And it's, again, kind of that idea of playing bigger than themselves. I think Canone is a very strong carrier for a lad with soft hands and good footwork as well. Negri the same. And I think some people are saying, could they see Negri moving up into the second row, for instance, to kind of accommodate someone like Isakor or Zuliani. So there is options that they probably haven't had in a number of years in, in that you know tight five forwards, but also in the back row as well. And I suppose just on, on Quesada, because... Personally, I think that they schemed up a very good game against England last week, maybe fell off the shackles a small bit, and that happens, especially in game one. Do you think it is going to be a case of, okay, that kind of attacking naivety that we saw in recent years, we're going to kick more, we're going to be more defensively solid. Is that something you see going forward, or is it just kind of horses for courses for now anyway? I think I think it's probably the latter. I think you know, we're probably going to try and play to our strengths. England last week, I don't know if it showed on on screen, but they were so narrow. Um, yeah, someone like right. Finn is is yeah. going to have an absolute field day against England, right? If they're Because he's just going to cross field kick every single time. And if they're tight, there's going to be space. Um, so for us, obviously, we had Garbisi at 10. If we had Alan, I think we probably would have seen a lot more of those, those cross field kicks. Uh, but the uh, the the two times where we we went round the corner and, and and got the edge, we 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 did damage right. So I don't think you guys are going to set up so narrow. Um, I think you guys certainly from what I saw against France, um, you've got your defensive systems down to an absolute art. So it's going to be interesting. I think if you're going to blitz aggressively, we're probably going to see people like Varney try and try and kick over and take the chances with the sweeper. So if 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 Gibson Park, for example, well, not Gibson Park is not starting, but if Casey's playing sweep, like they're probably going to try and target him um at the back. But it's it's just one of those where that's that's where I see maybe we'll we'll try and try and target it. it it's it's tough to say though, because it's a different team. Like it's a different team from last week from you from from our perspective watching you guys as well, right? So yeah. um yeah, I, I think I'm hoping, at least from our side, uh, we see Garbisi because he reads the game very well. He's got lovely vision. He's probably not as confident as he should be with his with his feet. But I, I'm hoping that we're giving him options because if he picks them and when he picks them right, like we find gaps. So I'm hoping it's just Menoncello or when Mori comes on, just just tight lines and, and finding space. Absolutely. And even on Garbisi, like it was mentioned... Um 
when he signed for Montpellier, that you know he'd be signed for a top team and that'll help his growth. And you know they got to a top fourteen final, and, and I can't remember if they won or lost. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Um, but like, and that was helping. But now this year they've been they've been really poor, and that probably reflected last week because he did blow hot and cold. And it it happens. It's ten. It's a it's a form position. It always is. And you'd probably be hoping that Verney, because that steps up and has a big game, because he's been someone that has been has been got at by opposition sides. Um, and even having Menchello back at 12 is, is another probably good example of needing guys to step up because he has been, he's been a game breaker for Benetton and could probably be what they're looking for in, in Italian colours as well. Yeah. Um, on, on the Garbisi point, I think there's, there's one element that I need to sort of provide context to. So last year, they basically had a load of injuries um, and it forced Garbisi to play at 12. I think actually, of the games that he played, um, I think 15 throughout the season were at 12. So for a developing 10, right, and people sort of forget that he's 24 years old. So last year he was 22, 23. If he's not getting that game time at 10 and then at international level, at test level, we're putting him at 10, it, it's always going to be rusty. So I'm hoping, and, and there's there's a lot of rumours about where he's going to go, but I'm hoping wherever he goes, they see him as an out and out ten, and and you know just because he's 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 reliable defensively, they don't put him at twelve. Like he needs to stay at ten, he needs to develop at ten for us, <laughs> um, selfishly, right? So there's there's that Menoncello. If he if he can sort out his soft skills, and I said this I think on on our pod last week as well. If he if he's able to just sort out his, his right hand pass for example which he actually gave to to Alan he he could potentially be a, a genuine like world talent for us and uh Ian McKinley when he came on literally the week after we spoke to you last he mentioned that, that obviously he, he saw him in the academy from the age of like 17 18 he was like he could be what Bod was to Irish rugby for us because he's that good we need to build the, our team around Menoncello so um not not to put too much pressure on that, but the, the the point stands right. If if we're able to start start producing players like that, and there are a few uh, from the under twenties, which I'm hoping to come that that will come through. Like Passarella is another one who's very similar mold to Menoncello. Um, if we can start seeing those guys come through, and obviously Brex, you know, is 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 fantastic center, like completely integral to our, the way we play. But we need to start thinking about. Contingency plans, not only for this Six Nations, but moving forward, and start transitioning and start building a team in the place that we should. We could, we could potentially, um, we could potentially cause a bit of pain. You know, that's what we want to say. Bhh, you want to jump in there? Yeah. Um, does that mean that you view Manoncello's long-term future position as thirteen? Because he is he's starting at twelve now to the uh, Sunday, obviously, and with Morik. You said you view Mori as a an Aki type player. Yeah, yeah, I do. I absolutely do. I think he is a natural tw- a natural thirteen. Excuse me. And if you, um, Paul, Paul Gusted did an interview about well about his time at Benetton, but specifically he highlighted Menoncello and he was like he's as natural thirteen as he's seen. Right? He said he's one of the top like youth talents that he's ever um, coached. I think if we're going to start looking. Uh, where this team is going to go and like where the best sort of partnerships are. If we can get Menoncello 
just sitting on the 13 channel, making the defensive decisions because his anticipation for the tackle and his eye for the the attack, like the opponent's attack is very good. Then that frees up players just coming in on hard. Like Mordi doesn't have to think much, almost like Manu, you know, when he was playing against New Zealand, um, he just, just, just doesn't need to think much and you know what he's going to do. He's going to attack the 10 and the 12. So, um, yeah, I, I think his long-term development, he'll be he'll be a 13 for us. Um, that's... Just on, sorry, just on, on Frederico Mori as well. Um, yeah. Check out this man's hair. He has got the <laughs> best ringlets I've ever seen. They're absolutely, he is one handsome man. Frederico Mori, look at him. That's, poster boy for Italy right there. He is quality. Yeah, he's a, he's, he's, he's a good looking chap, bless him. Um, <laughs> If I if if only looks helped uh, last week, he there was a two on one uh, where he he came on hard um, against England, um, and he opted to go inside. But if he went outside, there was two more Italian players on the wrap. So like little things like that, you know. A couple of those last week, I thought, that. yeah, Italy just made the wrong the wrong option, and it would have been ooh, would have so been a different, very different interesting. Yeah, yeah it would have been different atmosphere there as well. Just a, a final question for you, Mike, on Italy yeah. before we kind of look into predictions, because I think a lot of people have unfairly said, oh, well, Wales are, are the weakest team because we don't recognise half their players. But like Italy have a new head coach as well. And reality is when Italy played Wales last year, when there was pressure on, they, they really struggled to adapt. And I understand, you know, full contact paints a picture of being robbed a small bit. And to their fair, to their credit, they were the wrong side of the referee on the day. But how do you see Italy's campaign unfolding after this? Like they have historically their three toughest games first up. But if if there's signs of life last week, surely there'd be positivity heading into March. Yeah, I think first of all, like just because I I said it on our pod, I'm gonna say it again. Like I don't want to talk about the refs as an Italian fan, as as a rugby fan. I'm, I'm like I think it's important for us just to sort of bury any negativity we feel towards um, decisions made. So, but to your point, right, I absolutely think that if we're able to do equal, like, length steps each game, so we're taking it step by step, right? And one of my fam- one of my favourite quotes is, a journey of a thousand miles starts with one step, right? We've taken one step in the right direction. As long as it's of equal measure next, this this game, and we do that to the to the last two very let's be honest very winnable games based on what we saw last week obviously it changes week to week we could see Wales absolutely romp England and you know I, I feel less confident but like to, to what we've seen very winnable games and if we can take stuff from each game and learn you know a little bit more about our team our positions the you know the cohesiveness of the the, the actual team then I I, I think I well, I think, I hope that we're in a position where, you know, nerves don't get to us. We're not playing at home. It seemed, like you said in the uh, the documentary, it was, uh, there was a little bit of like fracturous relationships maybe between the coaches and the players come the Wales game. And it just, it just seemed like we're in no, no, there's no, there's no pressure on us. No one expects us to win, right? Like that's the sad and sort of the good part of a young Italian team. Um, but I think I think we have the capabilities to to, to beat any team. And I, I mean that without, a, without an ounce of irony. If, if we look at 
when we beat Wales two years ago, we had zero handling errors. If we're saying that is the absolute best we played, we gave away three penalties that game, zero, zero handling errors. If that's the best we could play, this team that we have now at 70% would, would absolutely destroy the Italy that we had two years ago. So like the team is better, but we need to play to our, to our potential. And if we play to our potential, then I think I genuinely believe that we could probably hurt any team. That's, that's, that's sort of a genuine feeling. That's great, and and hopefully we do get to that that point. But before we kind of move off and wrap things up, I I want to look at how we see the game unfolding. I start with yourself, Jack. Like most most people have put Ireland down for a bonus point win because above all else, Ireland score tries. It's it's what they do every time they click. How do you see the game unfolding from just a, a just a game perspective, not necessarily just an Irish perspective? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's funny just listening to. Mike and thinking about like where like where the two teams are because it's because we talked about all the changes and there's only um there's only a few I'd say in the in the Italian team from sort of regular kind of in terms of like regular starters you know I know Caputo comes in and replaces um um Alan but you know he you know he's been there he's done it he's not he's no no slouch again it's actually it's actually Italy probably coming with the settled the settled side and, and with with fewer changes in the Irish team. So um it's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting the first kind of five, ten minutes to see because uh you know the first five, ten minutes of last last year's game was very much Italy starting well. I think they got the first score, didn't they? I think it might have been yeah. Varney. Um and uh so that's gonna be really, really interesting because um, you know, I think I think Italy may have, you know, uh, I think Italy may have scored the most amount of points against us in that championship last year because it feels like France scored about 17, Scotland got seven. Can't remember what Wales got, but it doesn't really matter. Um, Wales got seven as well. Wales England, got seven, Scotland got seven, England, England got, got 16. And 16, one second, this is gonna bug me if I don't look it up. So. I'll say it's 24, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not confident with that. I think, it was uh, 20. I think I just looked it up. Um, but it was, I, I but you know, 20. That, 20. Yeah, so that's that's you know that's I think that's where I think Italy have made the 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 biggest amount of improvement is their attack, and I think that that could be one area that is a concern for me at least because our apart from Nash is quick, but you know Hugo Keenan just glides across the surface. But I just think they've got they've got Pacey, you know they've got Pacey backs in uh, in in uh, Pani uh, Capuzzo and, and Irani. So they've got some real pace. If they can get outside Henshaw, then you know Henshaw can hold his own. But it's just whether or not the, the wingers bite in and whether or not if they can get to the edges. Because I think Ireland probably hunt in packs more than blitz, um, sort of out and out. But um, it really depends if, if if Italy can get outside into that kind of thirteen channel, then you know they could they could they could cause us cause us some problems. I think what will ultimately come down to is I mean, this is this is no this is no great uh, analysis at all. But the back row, I just think that's it's just a, such a strong settled back row as you know the Leinster boys back in you know six seven and eight. Um, Loads of pace, loads of handling, loads of footwork. I think it's just going to be those guys are just going to be getting, you know, hopefully for Ireland's sake, getting turnovers and stopping the Italian attack before they can get into a bit of multi phase. Because I think that's genuinely somewhere where Italy can can hurt us. Um, I think 
Ireland's biggest strength we saw last week was the kicking game. So if Low if Low manages to just boot the ball down and stop it on a sixpence right before the dead ball line, then uh, you know it's more luck than than, than design. But uh, it's it's you know you, you you run you roll the dice and you see what you see what you get. And um, you know more more often than not, Low Crowley Keenan, they've all got good uh, good kicks on them. So. It's going to be. I I really look forward to the Italian games because they're they're genuinely very exciting to watch and it's good it's good fun and like that's just going to have more people watching it, you know, more more Italians watching it as well and 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 just sort of a good good advert for the Six Nations. So I hope that hope that Italy come out strong and and give us a good game. I just just I just hope they don't beat us. That's all. That's fair enough, uh, Mike. What would be your um, expectations as an Italian fan, or what would be your hopes as an Italian fan? I think if you were to ask me, are we, would I be happier with a winning, uh, sorry, as a um, a try bonus point or a losing bonus point, losing bonus point because it shows that we've been competitive like that. Like someone asked me that against England um, before we played them as well. And I gave the same answer, right? Always a losing bonus point would make me happier. Um, but I think to, to um, obviously Jack's point, I, I think, that's exactly how Ireland would play. Um, I think what Ireland are going to do is they're going to kick long, suffocate defensively. Like like I said, you guys have it down to an absolute art at the moment. Um, try and force knock-ons um, and then do what you did against France in the, in the second half, which was back your set piece and go to Maul and just obliterate, right? So there's, there's, there's that. If we're able to compete with our boot, right? So if we do utilize Pani in the backfield, a similar way that you guys use low, that that like I said, that could nullify it. Um not nullify it because I think low probably has an advantage, but it, it will make it a lot more competitive. And then we need to do exactly what Jack said is get around the corner because that's where France hurt you guys last week as well, is when they managed to get quick ball and get around the corner. So if we're able to do that I'm, I'm hoping we can score, you know, some nice tries and stay competitive. Um, that's that, and again, it's all contingent on how we can slow the ball down. If we can slow the ball down, great. If not, it's going to be a very long day for us. And I mean, uh, I, I, like, I mean, a very long day for us. So um, that's that's that sort of. Con- but obviously, this is someone with an untrained eye. Casada's a lot smarter than I am. I'm sure, he would have put some provisions in, but I'm hoping he would have put some provisions in place um, to to stop that. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And BHH, I'll come to you finally for an Irish eye. Like, what are you hoping to see, both on an individual basis, but also as as a team and uh, performance-wise? Uh, I think there's four things I'm, I'm looking for. Uh, three of them from an Irish perspective. Uh, the first one being just uh, some form of attacking cohesion and improvement. Um, like, it's this combination hasn't played all that much together. I think it's one game between Crowley uh, McCluskey and Henshaw. So Crowley started off really well, replacing Sexton last week. I want to see you know that up another level, and I'd like to see Calvin Nash get involved a little bit more. Um, I think in the first half last week he was a little bit like Rob Balakoon, kind of staying off on his wing, and it wasn't really until he got involved that things started going his way. So they should both get a huge amount of confidence from last week, and I want to see that. Uh, you know, step up a level. Um, you know, I think it's the lads have both pointed out the midfield defence, both inside with uh, McCluskey and Henshaw 
inside how they how they coordinate and then outside Henshaw as well. I think that's going to be a big thing that we need to focus, look at and focus on and will be intriguing. And then just continued improvement in the set piece. You know, um, the line out was terrible at the, at the World Cup. It was much better last week. It would be nice to see that continue. Um, and then just the other thing I'll be looking at, mostly from an Italian point of view, is like we blew them away at the Rook time last last year, especially in the autumn. Um, we did that to France last week. And, you know, if we continue to do that, especially with Doris and Conan and Bear just flooding the breakdown and, and uh, McCarthy, not so much poaching, but just blowing people off the ball, then I are Italy going to handle that? Um, you know, even when Italy were improving the last couple of years outside of last week, they always struggled against England who were deadly at that. So I think that's that's going to be the keys and that's what I'll be looking for. And hopefully it's a good, open, exciting game. Yeah. And I'll come back to you there, BHH. So for the, for the start of the predictions, who do you see winning and how much roughly? Um. Yeah, I I think Ireland will be relatively comfortable. Um, I think it'll probably be a good thing for Italy if if they stop Ireland getting a bonus point. But I'm not a hundred percent sure I see that happening, and it could be the case of we'll be two or three scores ahead and then let one in, one or two in at the end. You know, that sort of it'll be relatively comfortable. Yeah, I I do think Ireland will. We'll get that bonus points you said. I was doing research today, and like it's they've scored fifty points in this fixture four times in a row in the Aviva. In you know that goes back since the the bonus points was introduced. So it is almost expected now that Ireland will rack up a score in this game, even with the changes. So I do think they'll be strong enough there, Mike. Well, how do you see it going? Yeah, it's, it's it's hard to hard to argue against it. Really, I I I obviously knew you would ask me for the the prediction, um, and I think. Like I said, if if we get a losing bonus point, great. I do think you guys will get a bonus uh, a win. Well, obviously, winning bonus point. Um, I think if we can, yeah. I think if it's going to be sort of twenty eight, twenty one, I'd be very happy. Um, that's obviously that's obviously best case. But mm-hmm. if we can't if we can't slow down your rocket, could be like twenty thirty um, ahead. That's that, that's that's the sad fact, you know. Uh, Mike, if if um if it was something like twenty points to eight, and you stopped Ireland from scoring four tries, you know that's continued improvement in defence, but obviously not a losing bonus point. Is that considered improvement or? It's tough, right? Because, like you said, if we're looking at previous uh, previous ex- experience, like it's it's going to be fifty as sort of the average. Um, that said. I don't think we have money in the bank for valiant performances anymore. We need to compete. We need to put pressure and we need to show that we can score because last year we had valiant efforts. At times we were a little bit unfortunate, but we we still came up, you know, second from the bottom of try scored. So like, actually, if we're going to try and show um, genuine improvement we have to concretize on our opportunities because we create so many of them we're just terrible at you know our red zone efficiency we're just terrible at finishing finishing that last 
that last pass, uh, which is more often than not. So like if we're able to actually start, you know, fixing those um, and we score tries against the best teams like yourselves and, uh, you know, I, I, I said to the boys, if we got the same result, exact same result as last year, this year, that shows growth as in like it's a step of equal measure. What I don't want is for us to have another one where, you know, we've had a great game like we did against France last year and then we get blown away by England. So I just want a defensive masterclass. Even like I said, you know, for me, if if I want a, like a win right now is a, a bonus point, um, especially after what you guys did to France, which would put them under a little bit of pressure when we go over to them um you know the following week well after the uh after the bye week so yeah for me it, it, it we don't we have to we have to perform yeah i think nothing says that more than michele lamaro's reaction in the press conference last uh last week right he was gutted like he was he was like fuming wasn't he he was he was like this is I. He was like it was. I know. I know what's been said before, but he was like, "This is so." We we. He knew that that game was there for the for the taking. And I think on the point, if you deny us a, a try bonus point, I think that's massive because we've 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 got we've got try bonus points in basically like all of our last, not all, but pretty good, all but one in in every kind of all but one in every every um. Every Six Nations for the last like three years, is it, Kaylon? I know you. Uh, it was. I think it was something like ten out of eleven games, or nine out of eleven games. I think. So, like, I know, I know, it, and for like for the purist, you know, you're going to be like, well, no, we want to win, and that's obviously what what all the all the players are going to be thinking. That they're going to be like, right, how are we going to stop? How are we going to stop Ireland? And I think if you did, if you if you stopped us from a try bonus point, I'd say, like, yeah, fair play, you worked like absolute absolute horses to try and um to you know. To, to, to your point there, though, I think you guys as rugby fans who follow the URC and who understand, you know, that there has been some improvement behind the scenes of Italian rugby, that, that's fine. But yeah. the Six Nations dominated by people who don't follow, um, you know, league rugby or and, and and the sad fact is they just look at scores and they base their opinions on it. So when I say we don't have money in the bank. We don't, we, we, we're poor yeah. at the moment. So we, we need to show casual fans. And I think actually what, what Crowley did last year in particular for Italy, I went to Rome last, uh, last weekend and 65,000 in, in, in the stadium. It was ridiculous, right? I've never seen atmosphere like it. There was people who couldn't get tickets that were in um, and around the stadium just for the atmosphere. It's, it was, insane right um that's what a little bit of you know attractive rugby has done to italian rugby in italy but to like casual fans and stuff that means nothing to them they just see a score they make their opinion on a score and that's that, that's a sad truth so if if it's 28 as as you said <laughs> sadly for well i'd be happy because i'm you know i know but for for the majority of the fans that just watch the Six Nations as a spectacle, again, like we'll get tarnished with the same brand. So, like, we just need to make sure that we're 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 showing equal steps each game. Does that mean then that a score line of say like fifty five thirty five or something, where there's rakes of tries and buckets of points, but it's not at all close, would be better? I mean, we'd we'd get if it's thirty five. I assume we get a bonus point, but yeah. no. 
no. Like I, I would rather. I, I genuinely, I would rather it be seven nil win. <laughs> like just to show that, like yeah. we have the capability of keeping probably the best side in the world, right? Regardless of what the rankings say, probably the best side in the world out. That that for me would be a massive victory. Yeah. I think if I think if Italy can if you can get a couple of tries, you can get a couple of scores and say like, right, well, you know, you've equaled the French from last from last week and they were at home and they were dreadful. In all likelihood, Ireland are probably not going to play as well as they did last week because in all likelihood you don't get those performances back to back. You know, the all blacks maybe did that in twenty fifteen, but that was just because they were a machine. So, you know, this week, loads of changes. Italy need to come flying out of the gates. If Italy get 15, 20 points, that's very good. In Dublin, yeah, that's very good. Yeah, if you can keep Ireland below 40, I think that's incredible. I think, I, I, honestly, because I think that's just the way, this is the way that Italy-Ireland games go. Like, Ireland just keep keep firing and just that last, you know, <laughs> I don't want to say the last 20 minutes, like it's some, like, you know, thing that always happens. But, you know, that is when, you know, Ireland in particular tend to you know reach you know go you know go in that last twenty and get those extra couple of two two three scores that just make it a wee bit a wee bit more shiny on the on, on the scoreboard. If if it can be tight at halftime, you can be within 10, 15 points at halftime. That's probably that's probably good going, to be quite yeah. honest with you. Yeah, but I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I, th- I think it that's depends. Fair. It depends if it's close because if it's close, then the Italians will feel like they're in it. But if it gets out of their hands, then it could it could be it could be a big scoreline. I think that's you know probably probably quite um, <laughs> insulting towards the Italians. But it is just no, no, the, you're right. You're right. I think it is just it, the nature of Ireland could just click, and if they click, we've seen what what they can do. But I'm I, I'm I'm expecting much more of a sort of a tighter tighter game than most expect I think yeah. because I think Italy have got some good some good weapons there and I think they're a little bit more pragmatic um, than they have been in previous years too yeah and I, just just sort of one final point from me I think you hit sort of the nail on the head there it's, traditionally we ship too many points in the first 20 minutes like games are away from us in, in the yeah. first 20 minutes and we definitely saw that in the World Cup we came you know so uh, well, we just we just got hammered against the last two teams in the first twenty minutes. We need to work out a way of becoming better right at the start and not be a second half team like we have been. Even last Six Nations, it happened exactly the same way against England. You know, against Wales, it, it just it, that's that's the way it we played. So if we're able to sort of you know seal seal it up a little bit in the first 20 minutes and make it a bit of a dogfight and we're in the game we'll take a lot out of that and we'll definitely play better for it and like you said if 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 it is the fact that the last 10-15 minutes you guys you know we're, we're fatigued and you guys just absolutely like smash us around then we've done our job up until that point but um, I just want to make sure that you know we're not conceding a try in the first sort of was it three minutes last last year like it's it's just not acceptable. Like we can't we can't play like that. We can't play like that against the best teams. We'll get punished. Yeah. Absolutely. Fair. Jack, finally with you, who's win that? How much? Uh I think Ireland will win it. I think they'll probably I don't know. I think they'll get in, in, in the region of of like high thirties, I think. I think that'll probably be 
that's probably oh yeah that's probably a, a kind of a fair reflection i think that yeah italy might get italy might get 10 to 15 maybe in 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 dublin i think that's probably that'd be a, i think that would be that'd be a fair kind of well, i don't want to say fair that seems odd that seems harsh but i think no, that no, that would no, no. probably be the, probably be the 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 kind of I don't know what the bookies are having it at, but I would be. I think that would be fairly. If you're putting money on it, that would probably be the the boring answer because I think that probably is genuinely why I would why it end up. Because um, I don't see us putting fifty on these guys. I, I really don't. But you know, yeah, yeah. I think that's fair, and I think that's where we will leave it for tonight, lads. Because there's an under twenty game. That I'm sure a few of us want to go watch and <laughs> go watch Freddie Pucciarello's son started out half originally. I which. Oh, you had to just lose. put that in there at the end, didn't you? you just I, had to. I had to had to put that oh. one in, especially with the game being in Cork. So <laughs> we will leave it at that. Thanks again to Jack, to BHH and to Mike for joining me this evening. Remember, you can catch the game on Virgin Media 1 or ITV or whoever your local broadcaster is from 3pm Irish time on Sunday. Elsewhere this weekend on Saturday, we have Scotland taking on France at 2.15 and later England host Wales at 4.45 and we'll be back on Sunday with our weekly review show of the tournament. So stay tuned for that. But next week, we have the next part of our My Life in Rugby series as I chat to Monster Centre, Alex Nykavell. So thanks at home to everyone for listening. If you like what you see or hear, please do like, subscribe, leave a review. It all makes a difference. And I'll leave the links for all the lads' various channels down below. But for now, and until next time, take it easy. Sports Social Podcast Network.